Hey everybody, welcome to the Growing with Fishes podcast. I'm Steve. And I'm Marty. And we do this podcast, or we try to do the podcast every week. Um, we're dedicated to doing uh, aquaponic grow and teach people how to grow aquaponic cannabis and related topics to both of those, aquaponics and cannabis. Um, Marty and I uh, both are involved in a bunch of different projects. Um, him more on the West Coast, me all over the place, and uh, yeah, we do this episode every week. Uh, Marty, you want to tell us how you've been? Uh, oh no, you're in the middle of something. So, um, that's all right. Go ahead. Okay, I was going to say, Marty, you want to tell us what you've been up to? I know you did uh, some new posts yesterday, I think, or this morning about your outdoor veg, you know, lettuce or veggie grow, and so you had some new posts about your dual root zone stuff. Uh, yeah, so I set up a couple in the back. Um, I think I have three out of four set up back there and another one that I still have to wait, wait and let it get a little bigger before I transplant it. And then um, moving the outdoor, um, or I'm sorry, moving the, uh, after I moved what was indoors, outdoors, I'm now rebuilding the garage and I got one one shelf set up uh, with the fish tank there and got all the, just kind of got everything transferred into that system so I can keep it all going while I rebuild it. And uh, so then I'll take apart basically the system I had in there before and rebuild it. It's gonna be pretty similar to the way that I had it um, or the way that I built the outdoor except for the beds will be a little bit lower to the ground, um, not not quite as tall. And uh, there'll be beds more like my front porch system as opposed to the barrels. So the barrels I already had, so I just wanted to build something to fit with it. And then, uh, but it'd be really easy for that outdoor to just um, put beds on with the, the liner. So that's what I'm going to do for the garage system. Well, basically, it'll look just like the outdoor, except for they'll have beds instead of barrels. And um, yeah, so that's going pretty well. Got my, uh, got my shelf set up, got all the fish moved, got all that stuff moved out. So and I actually had a buddy who's going to give me a grow tent. He said he had a, what he thinks is either a four by eight or a five by 10 grow tent that he just wants me to, as long as I come pick it up, he'll, he'll give it to me because he has a whole room built out now. So he doesn't need a tent anymore. And nice. uh, so I'm going to go pick that up. Um, so yeah, just kind of working on the indoor stuff. The outdoor is pretty much all ready to go at this point. Got the catfish all in there, got everything cycling and everything. I mean, they were already established beds and everything anyway, so it's not like a big deal. But uh, so I planted some seeds and stuff in there to grow some stuff while while they're vegging and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, outdoors pretty much set to go. The indoors in in process, and so yeah, it's been been a productive week so far. How about yourself? I have uh, been running around all over this freaking island the last couple of days. We've been running around looking at land for one of our projects. We um, Yesterday I spent, and if you guys want to see some of it, I spent um, the University of Technology of Jamaica has a little experimental aquaponic cannabis grow that um, one of the professors there has been working on. And um, there's a video of it up on my channel if you're interested in seeing that. Um, but we're going to help them uh, bring them up to speed and get them producing them some stuff that looks more like American production in terms of volume and weight and all that. Um, but they had a, uh, it was interesting to, uh, to see their system and how they go about things and um, showed them uh, what uh, red russet mites were. And um, 
Yeah, <laughs> a few family. other things that they uh, that first family. weren't familiar to look with. Yeah, I, I was going to go back and do a second one, but then I, I just, I don't know. I just wanted to show off what they had, and I didn't want to really get too much into what was going on and stuff. But, um, but yeah, they had a, a few problems that they hadn't quite known how to, how to handle in an aquaponic system, so we're helping them, and um, we'll be working with them on a project as well, um, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, and uh, what else? Some other, what else have we doing? Running around looking at land <laughs> for, and uh, pricing out, you know, greenhouse frames and a bunch of other materials that I'm trying to uh, get pricing on, you know, in on the island versus off island and importing it and a bunch of boring stuff that you guys probably don't care about. But um, yeah, that's been fun. Uh, we picked up a There'll be a new project we're working on, um, hopefully up in Missouri, um, before too long, which will be pretty dope, which I'll have more details for you guys before too long. Um, it's another uh, project we picked up last week after the podcast uh, should be announced, I think, next week um, publicly, and then I can tell you guys about it, um, which will be pretty dope. Um, that one will be in uh, the West Coast, so that'll be pretty cool. Um, won't be quite up your way, but it will be in the West Coast. And once it's publicly announced, I can talk more about it. Um, what else? Um, just trying to find uh, trying to find various objects in this island, mostly. <laughs> yeah, it's probably and good. Land. You can't just run down to the grill shop, right? Yeah, well, not even that, like, construction supplies that I'm, like, used to having only come from one or two stores on my entire island, so I have to, like, call them up or, you know, otherwise find out how much things are from them and things like that, so it's a task that I was trying to do for pricing out something for somebody is turning into a much more difficult task than it would have been in the States for sure. I would have been able to do all this in about two hours in the States and it's taken me probably three or four days. <laughs> is, that for your, is that for your project down there or is that for the one in Cali? No, it's actually, this is for a project down in Jamaica, but it's cool because it's giving us, um, right now we have two projects we're working on, two separate here, but the, for intensive purposes, like at the very least, the pricing pricing out these greenhouses is going to work for uh, for both. So, you know, cool. it's two birds, one stone. <laughs> right on. But yeah, once we have that, and assuming everything works out with that, then I can tell you guys more about that um, and show you guys some of the layout and stuff like that once I have a little more rendered and all. Right on. But, uh, oh, I got my yeah. uh, I got my sample of mammoth pea. This week. there you go. So I think you probably I think I posted that in the group. I think so. Picture of it, and uh, they do a great job with their samples. Um, I've gotten one of the little, the little bottles um, from the one of the local grow shops here. I had some samples of it, and I'd gotten one before and put it in the worm bin. Um, and so I went on their website and filled out their little form, and they just showed up in the mail. So that was kind of cool. That's yeah, they're really good about that. They're pretty cool. They they did all their research through C CSU in Colorado. 
Right on. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, I was, I was checking that nice. stuff out, and it's uh, you know, obviously it, um, you know, I already knew that it worked really well, and you know, other people have posted about it. PFA, you talked about it. I have a couple of growers, grower friends around here that I already know that use it. There was a, I don't know if you watch his videos or not, but there's a YouTuber named uh, Grow Mouse, I think his name. He does like LED. Grow Ma. Grow Ma, there you go. Um, and uh, so he had one all set up where he was going to do an experiment and have uh, mammoth pea on one side and not mammoth pea on the other side. And then like a week into it, there was like such a difference in the plants. He's like, fuck it. I can't not give it to all the plants because they were so much different. He's like, just screw the experiment. It's better. Use it. I'm done. <laughs> it was pretty funny. So we have a product that's going to make the mammoth pea look kind of silly. I'm going to send you a sample and you'll be able to do videos on it too. Um, I'll get, make sure you get a sample as soon as I get back to the States uh, later in the month. But we have a, I was telling you about it. There's this, this stuff we call the, uh, I can't tell you any more about it other than we'll send you a sample and do some documentation. And, right. And, uh, the and, uh, I'm hoping, yeah, this blue, this blue stuff that we're working on, but um, we'll have some other samples to give out to people on the podcast as well here in a, in a month, about a month or so, I think it is. Um, yeah. Two, two weeks to a month. Uh, some samples to give out and get some feedback from people on uh, something that we've been working on as well. Oh, good. I'll be uh, I'll be in flower on the indoor then, so that'd be good timing. Perfect. But yeah, that mammoth pea, man, that's some good stuff right there. The other, I was talking, so I was talking to the guy, and what a lot of people don't know is that um, it also makes some of your microbes a lot more available. So specifically. Um, uh, it does a huge, um, not, not a huge, uh, it does a great job of making your molybdenum a little bit more available. So molybdenum is one of your primary uh, nutrients responsible for color. So if it's like a blue strain or a rainbow strain or a purple strain or a black strain, um, you'll get really, really, really good color out of it, especially if you're in a dispensary type situation, you want to get a little bit better sales appeal for your bud. It's definitely a great way to uh, aside from it boosting the potassium, or not potassium, phosphorus availability, um, it also boosts molybdenum and, and a few others, which I would I didn't even wasn't even aware of until I talked to him, and then I had tried it on my warlock strain, and um, man, that stuff made it like almost black, even when we um, even in the in the grow room rather than having it in the outdoor, but especially the outdoor, man, I have some pictures of the stuff. It's just almost just jet black it's just really really cool i've seen a couple of strains like that when i was uh when i was much younger like oh probably about like 20 or so i went into a friend of mine in um southern humboldt he had a big grow room down there and he had maybe like a uh i don't know maybe like a eight by ten area of just this one one strain and he had some other strains in there too and it wasn't like overly like huge buds but like literally the entire plant was like jet black and it had these like cool like bright purple leaves that grew out and uh, like all the shade leaves growing out of the buds and stuff were like a dark purple and then like even the stock like the whole thing was black yep. and uh, that was the he would let me every time i come down there he'd let me pick out i could pick any bud that i wanted to 
except for in that one area. He's like, you can't afford it. It tastes different, though, when it gets that color, it has a different flavor to it, whatever that is, the, the pigmentation. I don't know what I don't know what it was about it, but he got he got top dollar for it out of San Francisco every every time he grew it. So it was like a it wasn't a big yielder, but he uh, uh, basically grew it for a client who paid him very very well to do it. So yeah, I guess like, it was good. I know this is kind of dumb, but this is some from mine. Cool black. Right on. That was my warlock. That was last fall. But man, that strain is the darkest strain I've ever grown. It's one of my favorite strains to grow too, especially in aquaponics. The bud size is a little on the smaller side, but it just it turns it just gets so branchy and so bushy. It makes up for it. Right on. Yeah, it's kind of like OGs in that way. They kind of are, you know, long and lanky and sort of like a, I don't know, not not ideal bud structure, I guess you would say, at least for selling anyway, I guess it's probably the way that we judge it, I suppose, or at least the way that when I think about it, that's the way that I, I judge it. But anyway, the um, uh, a lot of the OGs that I've grown, the lemon OG, um, even the Skywalker a little bit, um, you know, gets long and lanky and doesn't have like the massive colas that you get in some of others strains but it's still some of the best like some of the lemon og that i've smoked was just it was just really good um in chat oh shoot i hit the wrong button in chat plant builder asked about yucca extract um so yeah actually that's a good thing you bring it up yucca extract if you put it in your aquaponics system will kill your fish you got to be really careful with that um, that's not something that you want to put in with, with fish, unfortunately. It's one of the few things that you kind of have to take off your list if you're used to working with it. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. It's not, it's like one of the few sort of things like that, that are, uh, that you, you can't even put in, in like relatively small doses. Yep. Can you send me the link? I don't have the chat up. Oh, sorry. No worries. Uh, let's see. I think you I'll posted send it. it. To you and... No, I sent you the... Uh... There you go. Right. So how is your... We can both talk about the various things moving along with the legal situations in our various locations. So you want to go first with Oregon? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so Oregon, we had a new edibles law take effect. So I don't know if anybody is, uh, um, is really affected by that, but recreational, um, can now sell or buy edibles previously. They were not able to, and there's also, um, like labeling requirements that went in, but really all that stuff everybody had to comply with already. So it's not like any, any like big change, um, you know, the edibles, everybody switched over to making the lower dose edibles pretty much as soon as the announcement came out that that was going to happen. So it's only really been like a month or so, um, maybe two, I can't remember, since they've been able mm -hmm. to start doing um, extracts and edibles again. 
anyway with their temporary licenses. So um, it's available to everybody now, which I guess is great for recreational users. Um, for medicinal users, it poses a problem because it, it came with limitations, just like every other form of legalization that we've had so far. Um, so downside for medical, but um, you know, I guess it's good that it's available for everyone. Um, I guess the the reason that it's a that it can be an issue for medical patients is just that it increases their cost of medication by a lot. So if you're limited to the the 10 milligrams per edible dosage, um, then you you know if you take 100 milligrams, you end up having to pay 10 times as much for your medication as opposed to getting it in a um, in different form. And yeah, it's, there's probably not going to be uh, exactly 10 times as much, but it's going to be a significant increase, um, even if it's just in packaging because they can't package them in a whole container. So let's say you wanted to buy RSO or whatever, like you wanted to buy for medication, it's going to be packaged differently in smaller dosages um, because that's what they're required to do. Um, and so if you're just going in and buying medication off the shelf, um, then it's going to cost you a lot more money is what it comes down to. So that, that's kind of a downside for medical. But for if you're a recreational user and you're in Oregon, then you can go buy edibles at the dispensary now, which you couldn't do before. So I guess that's good. Um, and then Jackson County still here where I'm at is still looking at um, getting sued. It's already been determined that they can't prevent um, they can't prevent recreational users from being able to grow for themselves. That was at least in their good enough in the legislation that passed to where um, that's pretty ironclad and that's already sort of the first thing that they've worked out um, on the state level. So that's already come down and Jackson County is already looking at, you know, sort of being in trouble or I guess getting sued for misinterpreting that and trying to limit that. Um, so if you're in Oregon, the state has come out and basically said that no matter where you're at, you should be able to grow at least four recreational plants per property, as long as you're the property owner and you have permission and you know you, you get all that other stuff together, then you, you should be able to grow for at least four plants per property for recreational and they are not supposed to take, or legally can't take that right away from you so that's definitely good as far as medical goes um, they haven't quite made a determination yet um, as to what's going to happen with uh, county or state or excuse me county or city regulations that are being imposed in sort of a roundabout way like we've talked about before where they regulate farm use um, in specific zoning areas so if you're urban residential or you're rural residential you're residential at all basically then uh you're are getting limited in what you can grow so whereas before last year my limit would have been 48 plants and i could have grown for up to i think eight other patients or something like that <clears throat> as to this year if i went by jackson county's regulations i would be able to do 10 plants outdoors if i pay $1,600. So that's kind of the the main, I guess, uh, determination that still has to be made um, about what's going to happen with Jackson County misinterpreting it and that uh, that lawsuit. 
will get resolved and then it's going to take time for whatever they decide to actually put into fruition. They're going to put, you know, some sort of time frame on it so that everything can be adjusted. Um, you know, Jackson County will have to, it looks like Jackson County will have to adjust its regulation to account for the minimums that OHA has already set. So, um, I think that that's, uh, that's probably going to work itself out, but I don't think it's going to work itself out this year. So pretty much, um, you know, kind of screwed a lot of growers for this year. And the, the big determination now is what happens if you, in this interim period, what happens if you break the regulations and you get fined or whatever else, and then it gets thrown out in court. I mean, obviously you're probably still going to have to pay to get, you know, have some sort of legal fees to be able to get rid of whatever charges they do file against you. So everybody just sort of trying to work out like, okay, well, I, you know, everybody wants to grow just the minimum that they can grow without, or I guess the most that they can grow without getting hassled. Um, so everybody's trying to figure that out and everybody I'm sure lands differently on that scale. But for me, I'm going to grow 10. I have 10 that I'm going to flower in the garage. It'll finish right about the time that the ones outside start flowering. And uh, then I'll have 10 outside. So that'll be my, my 10 max. And then when I harvest the outdoor, then I'm going to go back to the indoor. And uh, hopefully by then they'll have it resolved. And then next year, maybe I'll be able to put in more plants like I had, I had planned on. I have room probably for, you know, for, let's see, I did 12, I did 16 last year, so I probably could have easily done 24 um, or even more this year, um, but just uh, don't really feel like pushing it. So that's kind of the legal status as of right now, and uh, yeah, good and bad, I guess. How about you? So Jamaica finally posted all their applications and what the fees are and everything and depending on how much of the production you want to be able to do yourself or like if you want to be able to produce and sell it dramatically changes how much it costs <laughs> and they pretty much copy and pasted I'm sure one state's laws but the the what they have set up is just totally overkill for what there is realistic for Jamaica. And they're already working on the first set of amendments, which we had a talk with some people yesterday about, um, as far as, you know, recommendations for the first set of amendments. There's a big meeting in Kingston about it yesterday. And we were, we were there about that. And that was pretty neat. Um, but yeah, they're going to be doing a bunch of amending to it, but in its current state, it's pretty jacked up. Um, but like, for instance, if you have a, um, um, a hermaphrodite plant, you have to buy bags from Jamaica, the government, and you gotta put that herm plant in there and you gotta mark it. And then you gotta like resubmit it back to them. And like just a bunch of like over regulatory stuff. That's like kind of normal for Colorado or you know, Oregon or Washington or whatever for seed to harvest productions. But for Jamaica, where half the guys that are going to grow are growing. And another one is like, it has to be as, you know, within a certain distance of a road. Some of the best 
growing areas are all hiking only on this island like there's so many laws rules in this that are just completely ridiculous that like it has to be fenced in completely with a six-foot fence you're not going to do that for some of these places nor do you need to if you're you know for how remote some of these places are you know what i mean right. it's just it's so they just they it's clearly just a copy and paste and it needs a bunch of work and you know, they really should have done a better job of cleaning it up beforehand, but, you know, I guess it's a starting point. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, but I don't think we're going to have an issue. Yeah, the nice thing about Jamaica is it's more about, you know, who you know than anything else. So. Well, yeah, that's really about the same here in Oregon, I'm pretty convinced that, you know, they wanted to create a vacuum for people to be able to fill up. I mean, is it, you know, I talked about this with the oil when they, they shut down people being able to make oil. Um, you know, I think they wanted to create room in otherwise well-stocked dispensaries so that people with uh, invested interest, recently invested interest, I suppose, uh, could then come in and capitalize on it. So. Um, and I think that they really want to do the same thing with, with flour and, and dispensaries here is being able to cut down as many mom and pop growers as they can so that, um, you know, the big corporations can swoop in and set up larger shops. And, you know, it's really, you know, all this zoning stuff has really been perfect for that because, you know, that I think something like 80 some percent of our county is made up is zoned residential. And so basically that means anybody who has EFU zone land or timber zone land or any of those other ones, their property value is automatically skyrocketed um, just because, you know, people are looking to purchase property here now for, so, you know, for just that purpose. And nobody's going to want to buy residential land that you can't produce anything off of, or you can only produce 10 plants off of, for instance, you know, that might be great for somebody who's looking to, you know, buy a house or something and help pay off their property a little bit faster. But if you want to set up a cannabis business or if you're already running a cannabis business, um, you know, that all those restrictions, to, you know, just do nothing but cause problems. So um, I definitely think that there's a, a, there's a healthy conspiracy theory, I suppose, about why all those zoning restrictions comes down. Whether or not it's actually true, I don't know. But it definitely seems like it has some merit when you, you look at like Doug Bridenthal, for instance, here in Jackson County, um, you know, he's got what appears to be some, some fairly dirty ties. Yeah. Here in Jamaica, they just don't really know how to go about trying to structure selling ganja because they've never done it before, nor do they have any kind of similar production model you know, for anything else here. So it's, that's been half the problem. And then they changed their governments. And, right. Which yeah. is really the same thing that, that we're trying to do right now. Like I just mentioned Doug and he, he's been ousted. So he's not, uh, he got, um, he was up for reelection this, this year, which was too bad for him. Um, like the right to grow and a whole bunch of other people sort of launched a, and he's made a fair number of enemies was under investigation and, misspent a bunch of money and all kinds of other things at least allegedly i don't know what happens with this case but um 
And so he was already under investigation for a bunch of other stuff. But anyway, he will not be the nominee for his position. He won't even be in the election uh, because he lost in his primary race. So, um, and, uh, you know, I'm sure that a lot of people in that right to grow group would would like to take a certain amount of responsibility for uh, sort of beating the drum against him, at least. uh, um, We don't know how good of a replacement we'll get. We may end up replacing them replacing him with somebody who's has an even worse stance. Um, but, uh, maybe at least, uh, less dirty. <laughs> at least he'll be open about his, uh, n- negative view of cannabis. And, and really, I think if somebody has a negative view towards it, that's fine. But if you, you just can't legislate against it, you know, you don't have to agree with it, but you still have to do what's legal. You still have to do what, what voters vote in. Um, so, yeah. you know, I don't care your personal feelings about it, but if you're not able to set them aside and do your job without trying to profit from it, then you probably need to be voted out. So even if we get somebody who is openly against cannabis, I'm almost, uh, you know, still say, well, that's, that's still sort of a win in this particular case. Uh, plant builder says, looks like brown guy 420 got shit can kind of saw that coming. I'm very confused by that statement, but that's fine. <laughs> I have no idea who that is. Yeah, who's brown guy at 420? Sorry to be ignorant. Type oh. faster. No, so yeah, I, I don't know. I know somebody posted some pictures of somebody getting busted in uh or maybe that was just on my timeline, I can't remember. But uh it seemed like somebody did. Organic farmer in Southern Oregon. Huh. Is he on YouTube? I'll have to check him out. Solo Farms. Huh. So you think he got busted? Is that what you're saying? Also, thank, um, you know, thanks for the people that are watching live. Oh, yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's always nice to not have to come up with everything to talk about. Yeah. Oh, the farm fired him. I see. Yeah, you know, that kind of stuff happens a lot, like especially to growers that, um, you know, like maybe who don't have, and I don't know the guy, so don't like think I'm talking about him or whatnot, but I've seen time and time again where you, you know, you either have, um, growers who know a lot about growing and not much about business or or vice versa Um, or you get both of them together and then they argue a lot Um, so (laughs) it definitely can be a tough business to be able to sort of figure that out I've seen lots of of good growers and good business people that uh, you know just couldn't quite get it figured out it's just like any other small business again you know it's all about who you hire and who you work with and you know, those first couple of years are really the most important if you can get those under your belt. So um, in corporate situations, though, like, you know, if somebody comes in and starts making everything about profit, that can be really tough. Um, that can be really tough for a grower who's like really connected with plants. You know, there's a lot of growers out there who, you know, I know guys that will go to extreme lengths to save one clone and um just because they get attached to plants and you know that's kind of how they are and while that is a cool thing on its own um 
you know, that doesn't really make much business sense to, you know, sort of try to, you know, save a plant that, you know, you could just replace and probably do a lot better and get more production and save time and not, um, not spend as much time on it. So it's, I think it's little like conflicts like that that end up sort of, uh, I don't know, demoralizing growers in that way when they have to start doing it strictly for profit in a corporate environment that uh, for profit is different than covering the cost of your grow and making some money on the side. And I think that's a, that's a big misstep. I think that when, uh, when black market growers try to go corporate, it's uh it's tough. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen so, that I thought we could talk about how to dose calcium today. I can maybe go over a little bit of some ratios and stuff. Um, do you want to talk about how you handle calcium and stuff, and then I'll go over mine? Uh, sure. Um, how I handle calcium is I basically I have to neutralize my calcium carbonate in my water constantly because I have so much of it. Um, so for the most part, I have an abundance of it in my well water, which is you know, I've talked about it before. It's great for my aquaponic system, not so great for the plumbing in my house or really anything else. Um, it's not even relatively healthy for me <laughs> to have a high level of calcium in my drinking water. But, um, and I also have to replace the, like, like if you have a filter in your fridge, for instance, like they recommend you change it every three months. Mine's like every three weeks. Um, that's just... It's just a rigid, ridiculous amount. So, um, so I use the phosphoric acid uh, in my pH down uh, to help sort of uh, break down that calcium car calcium carbonate in my system and uh, and keep it down. So I don't I don't supplement it. I haven't seen any like calcium deficiencies, and I have at least a few barrels that have been running for like two and a half years now. So. Um, I'm pretty confident that just that from the amount of calcium that's already in my water and getting it uh, broken down by the uh, phosphoric acid, that that's why I don't I don't see or have to dose for calcium. So I don't do much to handle it. I guess is the answer to that question. <laughs> I'm spoiled rotten, as you pointed out before. Yeah, you know, if you have super hard water, you can. You can have that. The other nice thing is you have really good pH stability. The downside is is that it makes it annoying for trying to dose things because it limits you to it really limits on you know you to pH stable only nutrients that aren't going to mess with your pH much, which kind of limits you on certain things. Makes it kind of hard to dose like potassium silicate or you know a few other things that are nice to dose and get you to boost up certain things. That cheaper basis anyway. Um, I like to use um, calcium carbonate's a good one to raise it. Another good one is dolomite, which is calcium magnesium carbonate. Um, and with your calcium, you're aiming. Yep. Um, with calcium, you're aiming for um, uh, a two to one magnesium, or calcium to magnesium ratio. So if your calcium's like 50 or 60, you know, you want your magnesium to be, you know, 20, 25, something like that. And it, it can be off by a little bit, but, and this is in parts per million. And that's, 
you know, roughly what you're aiming for with your dosing. Um, but uh, you can also use, you know, crushed eggshells or oyster shells if they're washed and crushed. Um, uh, you can use aragonite, which is a, a form of uh, ca calcium carbonate that is um, you know, widely available at aquarium stores. Um, you can also use uh, calcium chloride. Um, just make sure you're not overdosing your chloride at any one dose when you do that. Um, you can use, some people like to use calcium hydroxide. You know, I'm not a big fan of hydroxides, but you can use it. Some people do use it. Um, if you're doing um, uh, something that's pH neutral, you know, you can always use calcium sulfate. Um, and then the other one that you can try use is um, calcium monobasic phosphate, which is also sometimes sold as triple phosphate. Um, but that's nice because, um, you know, your calcium to phosphorus ratio is also important. Um, one second, I have it on here. So you want your, your potassium uh, to be uh, uh, 1 to 3 to your calcium or 1 to 4 to your calcium. Um, you know, ideally to keep everything relatively balanced. Um, I know that sounds a little vague, but uh, when you're balancing out your parts per million, especially with your dosing, if you're you know, really know what you're doing. That's kind of what you're aiming for. Um, and I try to keep mine in the 60 to 100 parts per million range. Um, right. So just in, I guess, in, in simple terms, if you have 20 parts per million of calcium, you need 60 parts per million of potassium, right? I mean, that's... Of phosphorus, I'm sorry. Or phosphorus. Potassium. I think you did, but that's all right. Either that or... I, I meant phosphorus. Yeah, yeah. So... For you to repeat that, uh, you want a phosphorus to calcium ratio of one to three or one to four, right. which is just as important as your phosphorus, your calcium to magnesium ratio, as far as making sure you're making maintaining a balance and with your your nutrients, and you're not going to get any kind of um, lockout or anything like that with the calcium affecting the phosphorus or anything, or the magnesium affecting it. Right, and so you um. And if you don't do that, then like you were saying, you run the risk of getting lockout, right? That's essentially the same. Yeah, what will happen is if, you, if your calcium gets super high and you don't have your phosphorus uh, to the right ratio, what will happen is it'll start to uptake and lock out a bunch of your phosphorus. So like if you just had a, you're just constantly dumping calcium into the system, eventually you're going to end up with, with phosphorus uptake issues. Um, again, you can go back to that um, Mulder's chart and if you look on there, it shows you that um, when your phosphorus, uh, calcium is real high, it affects your phosphorus. Um, but yeah, we, we've documented that as well. Cool. Well, that's some good good info. Yeah, we we um, we had a couple of different calcium carbonate products, and one of them we ended up overdosing, or no, I didn't, but one of my coworkers at my old work overdosed by quite a bit. Learned a whole bunch about lockout of different things, and there's plenty of documentation goes along with that as well, as far as you know, other in hydroponics and things like that as well. Cool. Yeah. So, but my main my main ones I use are gypsum, which is calcium sulfate, um, or the calcium carbonate, or the dolomite that I like to use the most. Right, and so that's a good point about the um, 
uh, you know, you were talking about the phosphorus ratio too. We were also talking about mammoth P earlier in the podcast. And so that's obviously the main focus of, of mammoth P is to make your phosphorus more available. And, mm -hmm. um, and so that's actually probably, um, even though you're not necessarily uh, dosing nutrients with uh, microorganisms, you will see an increase in your system if you have a buildup that's not available. So yeah, it increases your bioavailability of those for your plants. Right. So um, actually, mammoth pea is the only like uh, microbial, beneficial microbial I've seen where after somebody dosed it too high, they got nutrient burn. Um, it's everything else that I've seen, like worm tea or even uh, modern microbes or labs or any of that stuff. You know, I've seen um, him put on pretty heavy doses. He's a pretty heavy indoor grower in the PFA group and does that kind of stuff. He's uh, here in Southern Oregon too. And so um, when he first, I, that's where uh, um, I first found out he got a sample of mammoth from that same growth store that I did. And uh, he dosed it pretty high, I think in like week, like week four or something like that and actually did get some nutrient burn on his, some of his lower leaves. Um, and so we just assumed, I guess, obviously we didn't test it or anything, but we assumed that he must've had a you know, relatively large amount that was not available so that when he dosed at such a high level, the bacteria made it more available all at once. And that was the reason for it. But I suppose it could have been just about anything else uh, in terms of, um, you know, something else in the mix, I suppose. But um, that's the only other thing that I've seen, uh, or the only microbial that I've seen result in nutrient burn. So I don't know if you have any insight on that, but that's that's pretty much what we figured is that he had some in his soil somehow that was not as available. So that when we released it, it just had a big burst of it. Yeah, I just dumped it all in. Yeah, it's, I mean, high P. Did he have like purplish or necrotic stuff going on in the centers of some of the lower leaves? Um, yeah, I, I didn't actually see it, so I don't know. So I'm not, don't know if he was like, a, um, like if what the shape of the leaves were in, just that he said a lot of the lower leaves had some nutrient burn. So yeah, I don't know. He didn't send me pictures or anything. It's entirely possible. I have never dosed it up to that point, but I think in uh, I'd have to look at the schedule again. But I think in the third or fourth week of flower, it does increase the dosage you're supposed to put in by quite a bit. And I think he went above that because that's kind of the <laughs> kind of the guy he is. I think he just wanted to push it and sort of see what would happen. Um, yep. So anyway, that would be my only. Uh, advice about mammoth, I guess, and your relationship to calcium also is that if you make your phosphorus a lot more available, um, you know, that you, you could have to also dose some calcium. Your calcium, yeah. Plant builders, it's mammoth question mark, and that is mammoth P. Yes, mammoth P. Uh, what is it? Moder or mammoth microbes, I think. Yeah, mammoth microbes. Let me get the link for you. Might be able to grant him permission to post the link. 
I think you can post links in here, plant builder. Uh, or the one, the West, the West, West Bridge talk. Whatever that is here. He posted a link in chat here. We'll see what it is. Any question about organic biolink? It's a six percent calcium. Uh, trying to find what this stuff is made out of here. Not for sale in California. Huh. Must be good then. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll look this up and try and find out what on earth this stuff is made out of. Oh, here we go. They have a biolink molybdenum with amino acid. That's actually pretty good. I'll have to do some research on this. Oh, here's the, is this the uh, MSDS here? That's good because I didn't have anything for the uh, stuff today. Yeah, this is calcium phosphate. Yeah, that's another good one. So he asked about organic biolink, which is calcium plus 7%. That's a zero six zero. Um, that would be a that would be one that you could use in aquaponics. It won't let you post links, Steve. Oh, it's derived from from rock phosphate. So yeah, it's derived from rock phosphate. So yeah, I don't see any reason why this wouldn't wouldn't be okay. I saw Mammoth took down their sample form though, um, so uh, I guess they only have it available um, when I assume when they have uh, samples ready, or maybe they changed something. I'm not sure. I just filled it out like last week, but um, when I went to post it for somebody, uh, it was not available. So um, it's because you I, got your sample. Oh, that one could be. Yeah, it locks out your, your IP address based on your, <laughs> your real address. In your well, you could do that. Um, you could definitely do that. But I had other, the reason um, that I was looking for it was that I told somebody about it and they went to look for it. And they're like, uh, there's no form there. So I went to look for it again so I could send it to them. And they were right. There was no form there. So I even tried to go back to the, like, in my internet history and find, because I just did it, like, a few days ago or last mm -hmm. week, and uh, so I went back and I tried to go to it through my history and it wouldn't come up either, so they took it down for some reason. I assume because they're out of samples. If they're smart, they would take it down when they don't have samples to hand out. So mm -hmm. I guess either that or they're just doing not doing samples anymore or doing something different with them. Um, but anyway, uh, definitely keep an eye on the website. Um, I know it's not cheap stuff, but uh, it comes highly recommended. And well tested. Yeah. Yeah, and you I, can was yeah. I was wondering how well that would work in like a tea if you could brew it up and basically use it as like a, a seed culture for when you're doing, you know, a 48 hour tea or something like that. It's, it's not something that I've had, I did have time to experiment with before I left, but it was something I wanted to. I'm, that's what I'm doing is I'm just adding it to my warm tea about 12 to 24 hours before I feed it. Um, 
and that's that's pretty much how I'm dosing it. So I'll let you know how it goes. But it's worked really well for me so far. I've only dosed once, I think, though. So, um, yeah, that's the plan. We'll see. And I've got a – I think I sent you I got a few different size. I went around and scrounged up a bunch of different, like, pots and stuff I could use to try and get, like, different sizes and shapes to test out dual root zone in. So that'll be kind of fun. I got that one little small one. I want to see if it explodes or what happens with it. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to come out one day and it's just going to be like exploded all over the top. No, but I, uh, I think that uh, I'm at least hoping that it'll be able to stay there around the stock and then have most of the roots grow out underneath it. Um, yeah. But we'll see what happens. It'll be fun. Um, I have another one. I have all but, uh, I think I have three of them done. I have one of them left to do. Um, and uh, the other two are some larger uh, square pots. Um, and then uh, the last one I'm going to do is a bigger, uh, the one bigger pot I have, it's probably like uh, maybe 20 gallons or something like that. And uh, so I'm going to fill it up, get the last one transplanted. Once the clone gets a little bit bigger, then that outdoor will be all set. So that'll be kind of fun to do. And um, so I'll be uh, dosing uh, the worm tea into that. <clears throat> and I'm also thinking about doing an alfalfa sprouted uh, sprouted seed tea um, because mm -hmm. the mammoth pea feeds on the alfalfa. It's the, you know, just like lacto um, is for the labs, alfalfa is what the, the main feed is. Even in mammoth pea itself, the um, they put alfalfa extract in with it to keep it alive in the bottle. Um, so I think I'm going to do some alfalfa sprouted seed teas to try and keep as much of that uh, as those microbes around for as long as possible. And probably uh, since I, I do have uh, have dosed it in the worm bin and will continue to dose a little bit in the worm bin, I'll probably um, feed the worms some of that too in hopes that it sort of establishes and sticks around and ends up just sort of being a part of my tea as I... Uh, as it gets brewed. Mm -hmm. That's the theory anyway. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, have you ever tried anything with Moringa? As no. far as teas? I'm trying yeah. to find out anyone that has done huh? some teas with Moringa. So if anyone has any information on that, let me know. I have a bunch of Moringa right now I'm sitting on. And, uh, we're going to be testing some stuff. But. So it looks like Plant Builder is asking in chat what some of our pea sources are that we use. Uh, I drink a lot of a lot of liquor. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> rum is great. Pee a lot. Um, rum, yeah, rum. Rum makes me pee a lot. <laughs> um, we'll we'll do a phosphorus next episode or the episode after that, and we'll go over. All the different ways we're we're trying to do a different um, nutrient like every episode and all that. So, I mean, if you want to, uh, mammoth pea is a great way to to boost your. We've been talking about that a lot this episode. That's a great way to boost your your phosphorus availability. Right in a even in a, um like I was just talking about the sprouted seed tea is also another another way that you yep. can add some to it, especially if you use alfalfa. Um, it's a great way to do that. 
No, you. And I, I was actually going to get to that with with you. Don't want to use a lot of your calcium, your cal mags, because they're um, calcium nit. Most of them are calcium nitrate and Epsom salt. Um, that's a huge percentage of them that are out there on the market for both hydro and um, um, soil. So. Hey, KDAC. Simplest of nutrients. Like, uh, what do you mean? Just like what what the regular stuff we use are? I do a lot more fine-tuning based on P. Like, I base all of my, what I'm dosing based on my current pH and whether or not i got to move it or not. And then I kind of work around that, and then I balance my sulfur and chlorine or chloride inputs. It's kind of, I guess, the overall idea. <laughs> I have certain ratios for certain nutrients that I try to stick within, and I have my PPO ranges I've been working on and all that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Does that answer your question on that one? I, I For iron, I guess it would be DTPA. Calcium would be, you know, calcium carbonate to raise it or calcium sulfate. I guess it would be the short list for, for this week. Or dolomite, if you need to raise it, and money also add, you know, magnesium at the same time. The other one that's also good sometimes you'll see in aquarium stores is high magnesium aragonite. Um, they, they sell it for calcium reactors um, and saltwater aquariums. It's another good one to use for boosting calcium and magnesium with a high availability rate. Um, KDAC, if you go to uh, buildasoil.com, they have a uh, like an amendment package that they use recommend for amending a certain amount of soil and it comes with a lot of that stuff that he's talking about you can get like a certain amount of dolomite i think it comes with blood meal it's like 15 bucks and you get uh you know sort of a nice base set of nutrients that you can use for for problem solving like steve's talking about so if you check them out it's like a you know um most of them are just in powder form and uh, so it's a great little amendment package that you can use and um, all that stuff should be fine to, to top dress with or in your dual root zone or add to your teas or basically any of that stuff. Have you checked that out, Steve? The build a soil? No, I haven't had a chance to. I've been, <laughs> I haven't been surfing a whole lot down in Jamaica as far as internet stuff. Yeah, so if you go to it's buildthesoil.com and then under products they have um, obviously they make soil too as well and they have um, like Grokashi and Bokashi and EM1 and um, lots of different stuff like that. But if you look in there um, like soil amendments, they have a what they call a reamendment kit, um, which is basically to reamend old soil that's been used or dead or you know whatever. Um, sort of uh, go back to life, and it's all the it's all the same stuff that we use to in, in a lot of cases to dose in in aquaponics systems. So it's a great way to just sort of order. Like if you're just looking for a package to get started with, I think that's a great way to go because you can get you know sort of a little bit of everything um, to cover the, it. The other people I would give a shout out to if you're looking for a short list or a basic list of stuff that's all dosed out, um, definitely check out. Um, um, uh, True Aquaponics has a bunch of um, nutrient packages and all that that are 
you know, all dosed out for aquaponics. Um, and then um, uh, another, the other company that has a lot of good stuff for aquaponics is uh, Keto Life. Has a whole bunch of good um, organic products and um, just watch some of the stuff that has high nitrogen, but all their stuff, as long as you don't go nuts with the dosing, is is perfectly fish safe. I've experienced used all of it. Um, working over at the lab at, at Aquaponics, or fact, they still carry the products over there. So, but those are the the two companies I would say also have real good um, off the shelf options or with dosing um, options on there. Yeah, I spent a while on Keto Life's website uh, checking it out after you were giving away the samples and stuff. It looks like they have some, some really good stuff on there too. Yeah. So it looks like Plan Builder was asking about uh, chelated micro mixes. So that totally depends on the micro mix and what the chelate is. And yeah, I mean, if it has like uh, DTPA zinc in it, like that would be a no. But like it, it, it really comes down to like um, individual mixes and looking at individual ingredients lists. You know, if you have a um, anyone that has a question on a product, whether or not it's usable in aquaponics, is more than welcome to send me or Marty a message with it, and then uh, we'll do our research on it. We try to do different stuff each week. Um, this week I didn't really have one, but he had the uh, what was the question he had about earlier? The calcium product. The uh, BioLink Calcium Plus, um, that was a, uh, you know, a good question. Um, True Aquaponics or KetoLifeGarden.com? KetoLifeGarden.com. And the other, um, the other website I'll give, I'll plug in that real quick that we um, are real good friends with is the, um, yes, uh, is um, realgrowers.com. They make the uh, Recharge, which is another real good fish safe product. Um, it's kind of similar, not similar, but similar in type to the uh, Mammoth P in that it's a microbe, but it adds, it does not do so much on the phosphorus. It works on the, some of your other nutrients. But that's the nice thing about aquaponics is, you know, you're, you're going to be dosing some of your nutrients and then, you know, every third or fourth time, dose with your microbes. And, and boost them back up because you've already been been adding your nutrients, but you know some of it's not in, a, in an available form or it's in the wrong, um, yeah, you know, wrong form for whatever reason, depending on availability. Um, that's why it's important to add those microbes regularly, like Mammoth P or Recharge or some of your other ones. Um, I know uh, Keylife's got one, and other companies have them too. It doesn't really matter what you're using, um, as long as especially aquaponics. Uh, systems it's important to regularly recede them um, on a, on a semi-regular basis and make sure that you're maintaining your high nutrient levels also dosing things like molasses um, occasionally feeding with high sugar foods like grapes or pineapple are other great ways to help maintain high microbe counts cool and so yeah I think that especially if you find yourself adding um, like more and more nutrients that's making less of a difference um, you know, that's a pretty good indication that you're, you don't have enough microbial life to break down the food fast enough. So you're probably building up stores in your system also. So, you know, if you find yourself dosing more, uh, more, more nutrients more often and having less of an effect, 
then you're, you're probably due for a microbial boost. And yep. then you you could probably even then wait um, a little while after that to, uh, to be able to feed again because all those microbes will will take a little while to eat up your food store. So little little things like that, I think are, are good little tips to be able to, to take with you. So when you when you start um, running into issues like feeding extra and not having it have the results that you feel like it should, then uh, that's a really great indication that it's time to uh, put some more microbes back in. So that's where recharge or modern microbes or mammoth or T-Lab or like any of those are, are going to be great. Or even just a, um, you know, a good worm tea <coughs> is always going to help. It's obviously not as an aggressive bacteria or as specific to the nutrients that we're talking about, but it'll definitely um, uh, give your microbial life a boost. So um, all those things are, are a great way to get some more microbial life back in there. Mosquitoes are out thick today. It was raining earlier. <laughs> doesn't take much water that's for sure no not here I'm sure I have like Chikyunga and Zika and a couple of others at this point so many times I've been bitten I just gave up <laughs> you're like I have it all now who cares yeah you ever see uh, the Simpsons you know you get the three stooges syndrome where they're all trying to get through your immune system at once so it just blocks them <laughs> all it's kind of what I'm counting on Nice. Strategy. <laughs> um, so Plant Builder, did you have any other questions? You've kind of been the one hanging out tonight. It's always nice. We always seem to have at least one or two people hanging out asking questions. It's cool. Are you still there? Did you have anything else you wanted to cover, Steve? Um, no. Oh, I mean, we normally do a non, non, uh, oh, yeah, cannabis plant of the week. Um, definitely go check out, um, and it's a fruit you can get sometimes in the, in the States right now it's in season. So go to the store and look for us. They call it a sweet stop or a custard apple. It'll look like a hand grenade. Um, a little bumps on it. It is a really good fruit. And if you don't know what it is, go try one. They're really, really good. Sour Sop's another good one that's in, in season and they're exporting them to the States right now. Both of those, go check them out there. They taste too good. So for, uh, for next week, I have, a, this week, I have a bush in my backyard that I think some, like maybe the landscapers planted or something like that, but it has a bunch of these like, uh, uh sort of like flower pods, I guess. Anyway, uh, I'm going to cut one, bring it in and let you take a look at it and see, I want to see if I can, uh, compost sort of like a flower power kind of concept <laughs> so i'll check it out and see if you know what it is i'll cut a piece off and bring it in for next week sure one plant if anyone's looking for something to grow or plant and uh smokes energetically with with cannabis is kana k-a-n-n-a it's an african herb um and it has kind of the same synergetic effect as um uh benadryl does it doesn't give you the antihistamine thing where it makes you feel all stupid but it has the effect that it increases your ability to uptake more cannabinoids before your your receptors close um and it's pretty awesome it makes your your much more euphoric um it's a Af small african bush um, definitely check it out if you're looking into adding other things to your 
your smoke and, and looking for something else to do. It's just a, a different experience and um, it's one of my favorites. Cool, looks like we got somebody else new. <coughs> yeah. Bifa boy, I guess. What's the best way to keep clones alive if I have them outside? So um, I'm not sure exactly what your question is there. Um, are you, you concerned about the sun? Um, you know, generally, if you have clones that are relatively small, you might want to give them a little bit of shade. Direct sun can make them shrivel up and die, basically. Um, so I would recommend some shade. Um, so I think maybe I'm misinterpreting. I think he means, like, what's the best way to transfer clones to outside? Maybe that's what he's doing. So to do something like that, what you can do is have your clones in your clone dome or whatever you have inside. And then once they have a good root system on them, take the hood off the thing, but make sure you got plenty of water in the bottom of the tray and let the, the foliage and the, um, um, the pores on the leaves get used to the, uh, forget what they're called, stomata. Um, uh, make sure they get used to the lower humidity before you transfer them outside where it's much different humidity, especially if you're on the West Coast or in Colorado or, you know, one of these other places where it's a little drier. Um, you know, you really want to make sure you give your plants time to harden up and give them a week, you know, a couple days, even put a little fan on them to get them vibrating and moving. And they're going to, they're going to look wilted the first day or two, but they'll bounce back and they'll look okay. Um, and then when you transfer them outside, make sure you give them a ton of extra water the first week or two. Um, and that really, really, really helps um, that whole hardening process. Um, you know, giving them a couple of days in between really, really, really helps. And if you have a place where you can set them in the shade for, you know, like under a tree on your front porch or something where they can still be outside in the heat with the humidity, but not the direct sun, um, you know, that's a great way to harden them up too. So you don't, you know, you're not just changing everything all at once and forcing the plant to deal with all that stuff. So, um, you know, if you've got someplace like that, or even just take them outside for, uh, um, you know, sort of like a field trip, I guess, and, uh, then bring them back in after a while. There's a number of different ways that you can harden them up, but I have a place on my front porch that gets sun for a couple hours a day, maybe. And that's where I harden up all of my clones that I'm going to put outside, um, and then I, even still, if they're pretty small and I'm concerned about them, I'll put a little shade that stays over them pretty much permanently. Just let them stay outside in the shade. So, um, and once they get hardened up, um, I usually do that for about two or three days, really. I don't do it for too long. And then after they're pretty well established outside, they go right in the ground and get lots of water, like Steve was talking about. Um, make sure that they're all good. Um, or if you're putting them in, like I have an outdoor aquaponic system, if you're putting them in that, then um, you know, obviously just make sure that you uh, keep them watered until the roots hit the system water. Um, other than that, uh, should be pretty good. Does that, that what you, uh, yeah, does that answer your question, uh, Mafa boy? Mafa boy? Cool. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, my battery is about the guys, so we're going to have to wrap it up, Steve. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for watching. I think we're going to keep doing these evening shows. Um, I don't know if I, I seem to like it. I think Marty's liking it. We seem to have more live people and more interaction, so I don't, unless there's any kind of other objection or anyone speaks out and, and comment between next week and this week and next week, I think we'll aim for, uh, for doing an evening 
evening one. I think we'll try to do maybe once in a while and try to do one earlier if it's at all possible. Maybe it's not. It's totally fun. But, um, but yeah. And then yeah, uh, a good, like a, a good poll we can do for you guys that watch the show on a regular basis. Put in the comment section what time you would be able to attend the podcast, and we'll do. The yes, podcast. Eastern, Eastern or Pacific. Does yeah, not. put in your what time zone you're from too. Not just yeah, and what time zone? Perfect. Yeah, that should be good. And then, uh, and then we'll do the best we can to accommodate for the most people. And uh, thanks to the guys that showed up, Plant Builder. Appreciate all your questions tonight. And I'm gone. <laughs> um, I will plug Marty's uh, stuff here. Make sure you check out Marty. His YouTube channel is AP Meds uh, on YouTube. Um, you can also hit him up on Facebook at Marty Waddell. Um, and he does a lot of, he has a regular posting on, he has a couple outdoor and indoor gardens, a bunch of cool stuff. Definitely go check him out. Um, and uh, you can check out my stuff at um, uh, my YouTube channel is Potent Ponics. You can check me out at potentponics.com. You can email me at potentponics at gmail.com. Um, shout out to Keto Life and. Um, uh, realgrowers.com um, they regularly donate stuff to us to give away um, also shout out to Atria Aquaponics uh, or Atria Hydro um, and I think their website's down at the moment but they'll have um, once they go through their um, um, website thing he's working on their, uh, they'll be back up here soon um, and um, yeah uh, make sure you like and subscribe or uh, videos and the podcast we think feel free to share it appreciate you all for watching um and uh have a great one thanks for thanks again and we appreciate everyone who, who writes us and and everything uh, we had a really actually a, one last thing we had a really nice letter from someone uh writing uh, to thank us for helping them you know get to his first harvest with aquaponic cannabis uh for one of our viewers who uh asked that his name wasn't mentioned but um I wanted to give him a shout out and just say thank you for writing us and me and Marty really enjoyed it. So thank you and, uh, and have a great one guys.